Uh, greetings, Mike, and welcome to our, I guess, our 30th episode of Fishing Without Bay. We're big time, the big 3-0. Indeed. I was discussing with you earlier off the air about back in the late 60s, early 70s, the, the turn on, tune in, drop out generation mm-hmm. that uh, mentioned don't trust anyone over 30. And I'm not familiar with this at all. However, I can unequivocally tell you that you can trust this podcast after 30. That's not reaching retirement. So let's catch ourselves up to speed a little bit on the on podcast number 29. When we talked about emotional quicksand, we talked about psychological quicksand, we talked about uh, catching ourselves in uh, Chinese finger traps in our own mind, and why we continue to do things that do not work. Why do we continue to do things that do not work? Uh, that's not a very mindful way to live, is it, Mike? Absolutely not. Absolutely, for sure. So one of the things that uh, I often suggest to people, especially in my own practice, is to uh, do a coping strategies exercise. Uh, do you know what a coping strategy – what's some of your coping strategies? Like Mike? coping yeah. strategies? Like uh, uh, are we talking about when I chew on my pencils or are we uh, – you know, something along those lines? Let's say, uh, let's say there's something that you really want to avoid and don't want to do. Uh, yeah, so I, I consider myself a little introverted when I go out to like these networking events and yes. things like that, these social functions. Mm-hmm. You know, once I get going, I'm fine, but that initial icebreaker is so tough for me. So I'll just kind of step back and, and disappear into the distance uh, to a point. Mm-hmm. You kind of avoid. I'm avoiding. I'm avoiding um, confrontation, I guess. I, I, not, not confrontation, but, but just interaction because I, I, you know, if I'm not comfortable. Uh, with my surroundings. Well, sure. So what do many people use as coping strategies? They use avoidance. Mm-hmm. They use perhaps uh, some mood-altering substance to take themselves away. Uh, other people use projection, uh, projecting anger or their emotions onto someone else so they don't have to feel it. Uh, justification, will I do this because of that? There are many different types. So what I would suggest that people uh, take some instances in their life where they do coping strategies, and and this involves honesty, open-mindedness, and the willingness to try those three terms we come coming back to, and honestly evaluate, Mike, both the short-term and long-term effectiveness of some of these, uh, avoid some of these uh, coping strategies that we do. So many of them are very effective in the short term, are they not? Right, you avoided the problem, and then you can move on. So in its long-term effectiveness of you perhaps being a bit socially awkward in larger type of groups, getting yourself out there, for the short term, it does it does protect you, doesn't it? Right. Uh, however, in long-term effectiveness, how do those things work? Well, then in long term, you're not stretching your social circle. You're not – for instance, we're going to a networking event and we just avoided everybody – why did we even go in the first place, right? Uh, you know, to you went to go and reach out and be in the crowd, and and you didn't. So what you did is you your mind automatically reverted to what doesn't work, right? Right. For short short term effectiveness, and maybe afterwards you're just kicking yourself because you didn't take advantage of that. Absolutely, absolutely. So sometimes what we have, Mike, is we have the illusion of control. Mm-hmm. The illusion of control. Now, and what I'm talking about is quite often these things work with the world that are outside of your physical being, okay? Outside, let's say outside of your body. Uh, 
let's say, do you have control over the temperature in your house, Mike? A little bit. Yeah. As long as my thermostat works pretty okay and 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 the air isn't bleeding too much through these old walls in this old house. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, sure. Do you have uh, control over the radio station you listen to? Well, yeah. Do you yeah. have control over the television program perhaps you turn into? Yep. Turn it on, turn it over, turn it off. When you have your automobile when you're driving, do you have control over whether you're going to turn right or left? Mostly Normal. unless there's construction. Yes, well, of course. <laughs> give a, give a, the city of like Pittsburgh that. takes that choice away from you from time right. to time. <laughs> right. So what these things do is they give us they give us the illusion of control. And right. quite often what we believe is that uh, we control our thoughts and we control our emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay? So think of, think of times in your life, especially when you were younger, that you were told to control yourself or settle down. Last week. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me about that. No, generally, uh, I'm thinking when we were rowdy teenagers and carrying on uh, at, at, at our local restaurant, our local Perkins restaurant, because uh, we always go there after, you know, dances or after work or, or just hanging with friends on the weekends, you know, and, you know, settle it down, you know. And, 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 now, and now we've become the people that say, man, these damn kids. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea when you were younger, you were always being told, Control yourself. Yes. Or how many times did your parent or some adult say, stop that? Yeah, often. Mm-hmm. Maybe perhaps you were doing something that they didn't want you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of something gross like picking your nose. Okay? How many times did your parents say, stop that? Many, many times. Many, many times. Absolutely. Last week. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that we've been told to control ourselves over and over again. Did we not? Okay. And quite often, look at the role models that we had. Uh, let's look, look at who, who were, who were the role models in your life? Who were the people that uh, you grew up with? Like, uh, who were the two main ones? The two main ones? I, I, I mean, I, this is, I, I think with role models, there's a question of, um, you know, you know, externally, like, you know, somebody that I watched, you know, on TV or something or somebody close by. I, I think my grandmother was a very good role model mm-hmm. that really kind of taught me a lot uh, mm-hmm. uh, of, of her manners and, and, and things like that. And then my sister, because my sister had been through it all. because She's 11 <laughs> years older than me. Right. Sure. And, and, and that that advice was invaluable. Absolutely. So when we so when we look at older people when we look at what we would call the big people okay or the giants think of yourself when you're three four years old what do these people look like the, yeah the giants the big people the, you the, you literally look i'll up never to be them. i'll never be that big and now they're all you shorter literally than me. look up to them and now they're all shorter than me <laughs> yes yes you're you're a taller man so however the thing is is did they did those people always seem in control let's talk let's especially let's talk about uh, male figures uh, did you ever see your father cry can't say that young? I have, no. Right, right. So did guys cry in the movie? When you were younger, did guys cry on the, in the movies? Absolutely not. Or on TV? No. No, absolutely not. Uh, so who were the heroes back then? Who, uh, who were the John heroes? Wayne and, and, and I just saw the, uh, Ronald Reagan in those westerns. So mm-hmm. I was watching the western channel at somebody's place mm-hmm. uh, uh, a little bit recently. Um, yeah, the, the, the dominating male feature. Figures, you know, the Marlboro Man was a big figure in advertising, right? So, so, so these are the these are the people that we assumed we associated with control, did we not? Exactly, and that's what you would aspire to be—to be somebody 
in control. So John Wayne, the the, the Rambo's, uh, the Sylvester Stallones that portray the uh, tough guys on on the movie screen. Schwarzenegger. Yes, yes, I hope we'll be back. Uh, however, think of these. Think of the media messages of what these portrayed. Mm-hmm. Think of think of the harmful things that they portrayed. Because if you weren't a manly man, you know, physically, mentally, you know, you don't reveal your emotions. Absolutely. So what what we're talking about here, we're again laying some more of the groundwork for why do we continue to do things that don't work? And what this was done was through reinforcement. Through reinforcement. And again, what is the title to the show? It's Fishing Without Bait. It's Living a Life Without Definitive Expectations. How, well, however, we were set up for definitive expectations, were we not? We were kind of set up for defeat in that case when we look at that. And, 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 and the same thing today. I mean, I, I don't, don't women have similar issues, you know, because even today, you know, the sexy vision and, and if they look in the mirror and that's not what they see, which is an impossible vision, then it just doesn't work these are the messages that are continuing to be reinforced that these are harmful messages that suggest that what we need to do is seek the approval of others what we're doing here mike is we're getting caught in that that chinese finger trap aren't we mm-hmm. when we, we we're seeking approval of others yet we're trying to make ourselves happy at the same time we believe that we have the illusion of control and as we try to pull both ways there, we get stuck. Right. We get stuck. So what do we do is, number one, we want to give ourselves some wiggle room. Remember what we talked about, Mike, is how we can, how we get ourselves out of a, out of a Chinese finger trap? You, you let go of the, you, you, you give in. We give in. We give in. Inwards. We, we, we give ourselves wiggle room. Okay. And what that involves, of course, is accepting responsibility. Okay, so where do, where does the mindfulness and all this fit in? So unless we're present and aware and able to really examine these thoughts, examine them in a, in an objective way in real time and in, in a present time to what do they mean to us in the, in this present moment, then we're like fish that are swimming in dirty water. Okay, so when we're when we're, when we're fishing, we're imagine you're swimming in your thoughts, Mike. Did you ever think about that? I feel like I'm drowning in my <laughs> thoughts most of the time. So Many people talk about racing thoughts, I'm sure. That's a pretty, pretty popular topic, pretty common uh, presentation of people when their mind can't slow down. But think of it, Mike, as a fish swimming in, swimming in, swimming in polluted water. Okay, a fish swimming in polluted water. Things don't go very well. Not, not at all. So it's through our mindfulness activities that we can begin to clean some of that sludge up, to be clean some of that water, and clear some of these thoughts out. And one of the ways that uh, we're going to be talking about that very soon is through a mindfulness process called self-conceptualization. Self-conceptualization. That's, so that sounds fancy. Yeah. Well, it, it's a it's a it's a fancy term for. Uh, controlling yourself and having choices, making conscious choice. Okay. So self-conceptualization, and this isn't imaginary uh, things that I want to be eight feet tall and bulletproof. This is, this is a way that, again, what we do is live life out loud, have a good and happy life. So my suggestions to everyone out there would be to really and truly examine your coping strategies. Imagine, try to uh, realistically list the short-term and long-term effectiveness of them. 
okay? And try to think of try to think of times where these coping strategies work. Now, don't get me wrong, Mike. Some of them have worked in the past, have they not? Some of them have worked. Right, because sometimes these are, you know, tactics that you're helping yourself out of a bad situation. Maybe I'm at a maybe I'm at a social function that doesn't fit me and realizing, oh, I have nothing in common with these people yeah. and, and like and I know, yeah. not not I'm making it up in my head. It's like this doesn't work, right? And I need to remove myself from the situation. We need to remove ourselves from the situation. And remember through mindfulness, Mike, that def- that doesn't necessarily have to mean a physical removal no. of your body from that particular environment. It could be if you think the people around you are very, bear with me, poisonous in their thoughts and their speak, you can take the choice in your head to turn off that off and not process that. Say they're going to say what they're going to say, and I don't have to let it build up the emotion inside me and start arguing with them. Through the mindfulness process, what we can do, Mike, is determine whether or not we want to participate or not. Exactly. In that, in that. We want to determine whether we want to participate. Determine, do we need the approval of these people? Do we need the approval? Do we need to prove that we're right, Mike? And I think if I can set an example of when this would apply, um, say you're with some friends or some family with differing political views than you. You don't have to participate. Indeed, you don't. And sometimes keep in mind, let's be mindful that you may be as passionate and as non-participatory, be, be non-objective as that person is. Let's say they're they're supporting candidate Y and you're supporting candidate X and you cannot for the life of you understand why they can't see God, you are right about candidate X. And just the same as they, they're they're as blind. So you're both uh, you're both swimming in very polluted waters. So again, Mike, uh, we're going to end today. Uh, we're going to continue this uh, talk again, uh, talking about self conceptualization and how we can really get involved in our lives. Until then, Mike. On to 31. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutfaith.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. Fishing Without Bait is a production of Namaste Holistic Counseling PC.